Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators I work alongside of. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in Rockhampton. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be talking with Matt Newell. Matt, of course, is the lead principal in central Queensland and is the strategic lead of the engagement and wellbeing portfolio. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. Hi, Trudy. Thanks for having me. And with Matt, I've got Karina Johnson. Karina is a clinical psychologist by trade. And right now, Karina is a senior advisor in psychology in central Queensland. Welcome to the podcast, Karina. Thanks, Trudy. Thanks for having me. So let's kick off our conversation. I'd love to know, what are you looking forward to in the next semester? Matt, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, Trudy, I'm really looking forward to getting back into schools a lot more. Um, So I've been really heavily in the engagement and wellbeing portfolio, but um, there's a bit of work in in schools. So I love working alongside principals and and their teams uh, inside schools. So looking forward to that this semester. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, Matt. And Karina, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm really looking forward to meeting everyone. So I'm relatively new to Department of Education um, and it's been really awesome to meet everyone over the past couple of months. And I'm looking forward to going out, meeting schools and and, um, being the people on the ground a bit more as well. Yeah, that's great. And and what a way to start kick off your job um, by doing a podcast episode and now you meet people and they go, oh, yeah, we heard you. Well, I hope they say that. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be good. They'll know me and I might not know them, but it'll be a good starting point. Yeah. So, Matt, you you hinted at it. What we're going to talk about is the engagement and wellbeing portfolio. We're going to talk about that a little bit generally and then dig into the student wellbeing package. So... I'd love for you to kick us off and talk a little bit about the portfolio and what are you planning? Yeah, thanks, Trudy. So um, 2022, um, the region shaped up a little bit different um, for the the start of the year. And we started looking at um, our three key levers, which our regional director, Kay Kirkman, talks about um, quite strongly in around inclusion, every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander student and engagement and wellbeing. And our three supporting frames um, also to support that work. I was given the privilege of leading our engagement and wellbeing team at the start of 2022. So lots of getting to know the team, what do we do on the ground, what are the things that we best support our schools with. Then we started to look at the student learning and wellbeing framework, our SLORF, to look at what supports we have in place for our, our schools and then how do we best improve as an engagement and wellbeing team so that we can support the full functions of all our schools. So that's work that the team's been doing through these first six months to really get a good handle on what we actually do and what we can do better to support our schools. Engagement wellbeing team, obviously there's two distinct teams that sit inside that, but obviously come together at times as well. 
Our engagement team look after our youth engagement hub. They're our transition pathways officers that sit out in schools but coming back into the region more so at the moment to support kids that are fully disengaged from schools. They don't have an enrolment at school anymore and they're really looking at trying to engage those students back in education or off into some training. It also forms a function of our supporting vulnerable students and our uh, regional engagement team. Um, so our kids that are still in school but are disengaging from school and schools are sort of reaching out uh, some assistance inside that and those two functions now come under the back umbrella of the youth engagement service. So the, the small team, uh, so we've only got two or three staff members inside inside that sort of triage and assist schools uh, where they can and then try and uh, onboard or bring other people into the conversation where um, they've got the appropriate skill set to, to support the schools. Exciting times in that space. That's uh, inside our regional operation plan. One of our key things that we're working on this year is a continuum of support for schools. So that will look different moving into 2023 uh, for, our, for our schools. And we look forward to communicating that with, with schools through semester two. The wellbeing package. The wellbeing package, um, our fantastic senior um, guidance officers um, do their work on the ground with the clinical supervision of our guidance officers in our schools. Um, and then also help to support outside of the, the guidos and, um, and and supporting functions within the whole of the school in lieu of not having our principal advisor mental health. And then the new package, uh, the student wellbeing package that was kicked off in July 2021 for, for rollout is a brand new function to education. Uh, the student wellbeing package is there to increase the wellbeing workforce by up to 464 people um, across the state in the next three years. So it's a huge feat because we know that um, it's um, mental health and wellbeing staff are hard people to come across, not just in education, but in the health field as well. Um, but having the lovely Karina join our team, um, I'm really confident that um, we're going to be able to meet those quotas. And um, oh, it's gonna be an ongoing challenge, not just in the three years, but the recurring nature of it, um, that funding is is in place for, forever. So um, really exciting times in education to to look at mental health and wellbeing a little bit differently. And we thought we'd take this opportunity, Trudy, to dive a bit deeper so that schools and anyone listening out there can really hear what the student wellbeing package is, is all about. Yeah, great, Matt. Thanks for the overview. So let's dig in now. What's it all about? Yeah, so the student wellbeing package is in addition to the guidance officers already on the ground. You know, we're all aware of the mental health crisis in Australia and seeing, you know, young people really struggling with their mental health and the governments recognise this and, and um, have made some actions towards helping to improve mental health and wellbeing across the nation, but particularly in Queensland. And to help assist with this, they've rolled out the student wellbeing package. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's something I'm quite passionate about. And it really helps to help address some of those mild to moderate difficulties. Some of those students that might be getting missed in the system um, because they're going okay, but they're really struggling with their mental health and, and helping to provide that, that level of support. So with that in central Queensland, we're aiming for over um, just over 48 full-time equivalent staff members by 2024. 
Wow. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Um, and with with those um, 48 people, there'll be social workers, psychologists, guidance officers, um, and we might even look into some youth workers as well, just to kind of assist some of those maybe more regional schools. But their job will to be assisting students, but also whole schools as well. The aim is to improve wellness across the region in both students, teachers and, and school culture as well. One of the things when I heard this getting rolled out last year, and I, to be honest, I had my finger on the pulse a little bit for a little while because all psychologists were waiting in the background going, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Really excited. I think one of the things that's really helpful about this is it is a permanent permanent rollout. So once it's here, it's here to stay. And I'm really looking forward to in about 10, 15 years when we can talk about the rollout, how it looked, and now every single school in Queensland has a wellness person on board and you know hopefully that will be reflected in the statistics you know we'll have adults young adults able to you know improve their mental health or recognize the science of mental health as well so not only helping now but being a bit of a preventative um, and, and a holistic change for all of Queensland so I, I'm I'm really excited about that. And that's the beauty of this package. Um, when the package has been rolled out, um, they've been really targeted in, in saying the mild to moderate mental health concerns so that we can swim up river a little bit and stop the crisis that we're seeing. We've got child youth and mental health, Kim's at crisis point as well, where they can't meet the needs of all our young people. So this is an opportunity for us to to go early intervention or earlier intervention to really support our young people before they hit that crisis point. And I know for some schools, they'll, they'll really want you know, guys that join the workforce to be working in that real crisis uh, spot because we know that's that's where the heat is uh, in schools sometimes is we've got some young people who are really, really in need. And that's not to say that these staff members can't assist and, and, and work in this space. But really, the intent behind the project is that mild to moderate so that we can try and get in front of some of these huge concerns that we're seeing in society, not just in our schools. And as a psychologist, you often see this as well. So I've worked in private practice previously in a few different ones where you might see someone who did see a psychologist as a kid and, you know, something's come up for them and they, they come and you have a chat to them and they go, oh, I remember the psychologist telling me that back in the day. And then what they find is they have this skill set ready to go. So I know as a clinician, it's something that's really exciting to when you hear people have early intervention as well. So let's um, probably state some of the obvious why is it important? Yeah, so there's lots of really good literature on that. And, you know, we're all aware of the different things in the media about mental health. Um, but we also know that mental health concerns really have a huge impact of overall life. And one of the things in particular is what that looks like in schools is very different as an adult. So if you think about yourself when you're having a really rough day or if you do have a bit of anxiety that day and you've got to give a presentation, you know, your your performance, your achievement isn't as good as, as it would be if you were in a really good state of mind, really, feeling really calm, really confident. Um, and we know that anecdotally, but we also know that the literature really reflects that. Um, we, we also know that those those learning difficulties can then manifest into more of that I'm not good enough or you know it's not going so well and then those really negative core beliefs uh, and so by aiming and targeting mental health and helping support students with this we're, we're able to also help improve their learning and achievement which is 
to be honest, really awesome. And there's nothing like hearing, you know, a student going, you know what, I was so nervous about my presentation, but I did some mindfulness strategies, I did some grounding, and I absolutely rocked it and I got a B plus or an A plus or whatever it is. That's something that's really, really helpful and really exciting to see. One that's really, really big as well is absentee rates. So there's a lot of new literature showing how absenteeism is significantly impacted by mental health concerns. And there's a lot of new research and data on this at the moment. And they're finding that people with a mental illness have much higher absenteeism um, at school. But not only are they more likely to be absent, of the absent days, it was up to 67% of those with mental health concerns, so having a mental health day. And we all know the impact of missing one day. The other thing is it impacts social skills as well, and it's really hard. So if you've just come back from, you know, having a really, really rough week with your mental health, you come back to school um, and everyone goes, where were you? What happened? It's a really awkward conversation to have for a lot of young people, and they really struggle with this. So helping them to negotiate that and improve some of their social skills around that and, and just kind of even reducing the stigma overall will be super helpful to help navigate the area. Yeah, thanks, Karina. So important for our young people and I love that the way you described it in terms of positive impacts for them immediately but also that whole of life and long term setting them up for success as adults. So what will this look like on the ground in schools? Yeah, so each school in central Queensland has been given an allocation. So those that aren't covered by the core um, have gone through and based on their needs and how many students they have, have been given an allocation of a wellbeing person. So you don't have to do anything. We're coming to you. It's just about we're finding the team now to fill that. So what will happen is you'll be allocated wellbeing person for one day, two days, three days, up to, you know, however many days your school needs. We'll have those chats beforehand about what days suit the schools. You know, we would prefer the days where you have your wellbeing team meetings as well. And then how we can best assist each school. So obviously um, our our crew will be able to do a whole bunch of different things. We can do face-to-face intervention. And with the face-to-face intervention, we're looking for moderate term intervention to really assist. So, you know, 50 minute sessions or half an hour sessions if the young person can't make the 50 to an hour sessions over, you know, a term or two. On top of just the stereotypical therapy, also any programs or any groups or any resources that the school really needs. But this will be a discussion. So when we do um, have clinicians or, you know, wellbeing people ready to go, we'll be in contact with your school saying, hey, we have someone who is looking for a high school or a primary school or a bit of both. Um, And we'll have those chats with each of the principals and all the stakeholders as well. Truth, I might jump in there with um, just a bit of the facts around what the criteria and how we have determined which schools get what and, and those sorts of things. So um, that's a, that was a set thing that we, we sort of get given to us by the centre around um, enrolments being a big criteria. Obviously, the bigger the school, the more support um, that they're going to need. Exia, so depending on what Exia you have in your school, a weighting was applied over the top of that as well. The NCC students with disability data and the mental health or the social concerns inside that. And this is the first time I'd seen that, that data being used in a way to inform how allocations to schools were given. So all that work that schools have been doing in the background um, over the last few years. And we know that the NCCD 
as having more impact or more more changes for us um, in in the coming uh, reporting season. But this they use that inside this calculation as well. And students with uh, who are in out of home care, um, there was a percentage used to support those students and schools with high percentages of students who, who are out of home care. So Trudy, we're also looking uh, at trying to obviously recruit face-to-face -face, um, support in schools where we where we can, but we're also cognizant of the fact that um, mental health and wellbeing staff, psychologists in particular, are particularly hard to, to find and recruit for. So we're looking at what are our telehealth options available in, inside that, and this is early days in the conversations around what does that look like, uh, but working across the state, uh, we know that there's um, a greater proportion of psychologists in the southeast. Um, so how do we make use of, of those in, in our more rural and hard to recruit areas? The other um, more innovative thinking um, is around how do we partner with externals as well? So external organisations, people such as the Royal Flying Doctors, when they're doing their, their outreaches into different communities. Is it possible that we can partner with them to have psychologists and other health staff to visit schools while they're while they're out and about doing those things. So um, very early days in those conversations and it may be possible, may not be possible, but um, trying to think flexibly, not just saying that you've got a 0 .01, uh, 0.1 allocation, it's one day a fortnight and you're really remote and therefore you probably won't see anyone. Well, what are the different things that we can do so that every student in CQ has access into a wellbeing professional? Yeah, and on top of that as well, we're building lots of relationships with universities at the moment as well to get some of those new graduate people as well that might be super keen to learn how to work in rural and remote areas. And so that's something that's an ongoing conversation that we're having and looking into at the moment about getting provisional psychologists or partnering with universities as well. So we, like, like Matt said, we're being very flexible about what that looks like. Um, and we know that a lot of new graduates are super keen as well, which is really awesome because they're really adaptable um, a lot of the time as well. So in terms of recruitment, what do schools need to do? So schools don't really need to do anything. However, if you can spread the word, that would be fantastic. Um, the amount of people we get inquiring um, in, in general, just based on word of mouth. So if you know any social workers, any psychologists, um, any guidance officers looking that have a passion for young people with mental health concerns, please feel free to pass them my details. This will be a rolling recruitment drive for the next couple of years. And it's something that we're really passionate for. So please feel free to forward them my details, call me, even drop it in your newsletters as well would be really helpful. I'd be surprised the amount of psychologists that might be looking for, you know, half a week's worth of work, they might be in private practice the rest of the week, that would be really keen to get into schools. Yeah, and Karina, we'll make sure your details are in the show notes so people can find you easily. Awesome, thank you. I guess the important one there is we'll come to you. Um, so we've been approaching schools over the, over the past nearly a year now to start some recruitment processes in those areas. We've had some learnings over the, let's call it nine months. So the way that we'll do things is we'll be different and we'll continue to learn from those things as, as this new initiative comes into education and how best we, we bring further health professionals alongside um, alongside our schools and how that best looks and how best we support schools to, to do that effectively. So we'll come to you. Please feel free to reach out. We're always more than happy to have a conversation um, with schools around how do we best bring people on in the most um, effective way. 
And just to add to that, so when we do come to you, we'll, we'll discuss a lot of the different things that the schools will need. So, for example, you will need to have a room available for the wellbeing clinician um, to be able to for them to see young people. But we'll have a discussion about what the referral process is or if your school already has an established referral process, how we can utilise that um, when we onboard the new person, um, what the school needs. So obviously, if you have a whole bunch of really great um, wellness groups and we have a person come in, then, you know, if they, you want support in that, awesome. However, it sounds like the needs might be different and we know each school has different needs. So having a conversation around what that looks like. The other thing too is reporting lines. So, we'll, you know, they are regionally funded. However, they do need to report within the school. So who, who do they report to? And just kind of the stuff in preparation for when that person comes on board. And we'll have all those chats with each of the principals as we find clinicians for each school. Yeah, that's great. And I guess the other thing is schools ensuring that their student learning and wellbeing framework is current and reflective of their context and the services that they have available. Yeah, absolutely, Trudy. It's always a great one to be revisiting and reviewing uh, every year just to see what's, well, are, are we best meeting the needs of our our kids and what is it for our next step inside that as we've done regionally at the start of, the start of this year, are we meeting the needs of, of, of people? Do we have the right supports in place where we need to have them? And if not, uh, what do we need to do differently? And if we do, fantastic. How do we continue to improve that? And with this, the wellbeing um, package as well, please try and think flexibly as well. So yes, we do the intervention, but there's programs we can run. There's, you know, I'm really passionate about Are You OK Day? So running those sorts of initiatives in schools as well, um, helping to kind of promote some of those psychoeducation you know, maybe an evening or something like that for parents. Um, have a think about what your school needs and what might best suit your school and, and have those ideas, even if it's just jotted down so that when we do come out, you can go, this is what we're really looking for and we can match a clinician that has similar passions to your school. I guess, Karina, the other thing that comes to mind is schools aren't starting from zero. They've, I, I guess it's about reflecting on what they already have in place and building on that. So going from a strengths focus Exactly. And, you know, helping us to add to it rather than rewriting the, you know, no point rewriting it. Um, but how can we help the schools in their current roles and, and what they're currently doing? Because there's a lot of amazing initiatives. I've been absolutely blown away as I have met a few principals about some of the stuff that they're doing on the ground, which is absolutely awesome. So in terms of support for students, what should staff be thinking about or looking for in terms of considering referrals for the student wellbeing package? Yeah, very good question. So it's not a crisis support and whilst we can support um, students in a crisis, the package is really focused on that mild to moderate kind of diagnosis. So you're looking for students with maybe, you know, there's been a decrease in their grades, maybe they're a little bit socially withdrawn, maybe they're having some behavioural issues in the classroom that previously they're a really great student and didn't have any behavioural issues. You know, from a clinical perspective, it could be separation anxiety. So every time they get dropped off at school, they're, they're in tears because they don't want mum or dad to go. You know, we also have social anxiety. So the student that gets really, really anxious during presentations and, and you know, finds that they're, they're failing those, but they're actually really, really good at the content. Um, working with students with generalised anxiety, 
OCD as well, so obsessive compulsive disorder, where they might have to have things a certain way, in a particular way, um, to the point where it's interrupting their learning. Um, so it's one thing to have your pens lined up in one way, that's awesome. Um, it's another thing where you can't actually start your exam unless the pens are lined up in a different way. General depression as well, those sorts of things, you know, bullying difficulties. It, it's that the stuff that gets away in the learning, but it might not be screaming at you, but it's just that, you know, I've noticed Sally or Bob hasn't been paying attention in class as much or they're arriving quite late or you're finding that they're saying that they're really tired because they're not sleeping. So insomnia is a really big one in schools as well. Um, and we know that insomnia, um, it's one of the, the least talked about um, conditions, but it has one of the biggest impacts on mental health overall, health in general. And so these sorts of things are the stuff that we can really assist with. Yeah, you talk about insomnia. I'm thinking we could have a whole conversation around insomnia with our workforce as uh, well. <laughs> I ha I had a um a lecturer back in the day, and he said if you can only treat one of the present presenting problems, treat insomnia because then the rest really follow. You can't function when you get a little sleep, and it's really tricky to think straight and and address some of those unhelpful thinking styles when you're running on like on fumes. When we think about the workforce that you're recruiting, uh, I think one of the things that you highlighted in the notes was around they're new to education or new to the department. Did you want to talk a little bit about that, Karina? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things is Queensland's never really had psychologists in schools before, or if they have, they've, you know, been privately, you know, they rock up for a day and then they go and they keep their notes and they work separately, which is the reason why most psychologists, when we talk about the initiative, are so excited because we've seen this need for such a long time, just like all the schools have seen this need for such a long time. But the thing is, we're really new to schools. We don't know what one school is. Um, one of the things that I was doing was all the acronyms in schools. I thought I spoke in acronyms. I, I often make jokes about psych speaking in acronyms. But hands down, education beats us um, with the acronyms in particular. So when you do have a new clinician to the school, you know, they might be from Queensland Health, but we'll probably get a lot of people from private practice. And for private practice workers, what that looks like is your own boss. So it's learning a whole new system because, back, you know, in private practice, you make your own schedule, you, you do all these things. So working within a school setting is really, to be honest, quite terrifying for all of the clinicians. They do it because because they're passionate about mental health, they're passionate about early intervention, but they really need support and they really need support to learn about education. And, and you know, one of the things is if they ask questions about acronyms, please let them know. Um, they feel silly asking and I'm trying to tell my team that it's okay to ask questions about acronyms because that's been a huge sticking point. Um, but just even learning school land language. Um, one thing that would be really helpful, and thank you for reminding me, Trudy, is if you can think about some some teachers or some staff that might be able to become a buddy for the new person on the ground. We're really hoping to, you know, have someone where they can go, look, I'm so sorry, I don't know where this is or I don't know where to go for here. Um, just a go-to person for them on the ground to support them. Um, and please make them feel welcomed. We're, we're here and we're here to stay. We want to be part of the school and we really want to work collaboratively together to help young people. So please make them feel welcome. Please you know, recognise that we will make mistakes. We're, we're new to education. Um, it's a new system and we're, we're learning as well. So we will make mistakes. Let us know. Um, we're pretty good at taking on that sort of feedback and then working together to make it better in the future as well. 
Yeah, it really is quite an exciting initiative and it's, well, it's not an initiative, it's a new frontier, isn't it? A new future for us. It really is. And I'm sorry, I know I speak a bit fast when I get a bit excited, but it's such an exciting um, thing to be part of. And I'm really excited. Like I said, 10, 15 years time, we can say we rolled this out. And, you know, for principals and all the staff on the ground, you were here when this started. And, you know, hopefully it'll be this thing that it'll just be normal in the future. Yeah. So as we wrap up the conversation, Karina and Matt, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, there's probably a key point I'd like to just um, make sure that we, we, we communicate out really effectively with people is is this isn't a replacement program for, for any other service that might be in schools or anything like that. This is a, a boost to the wellbeing workforce inside our schools. The government has put a $100 million commitment to a recurring commitment into our schools to, to help beat the mental health can I call it a pandemic? Um, endemic. I'm not sure where health put those terms around there, but mental health is in crisis in, in Australia and probably across a lot of places in the Western world. So this package is really to boost and to make an addition to um, the mental health and wellbeing support in our schools. There, there are going to be teething issues, and Karina outlined some of those around new people coming into schools and learning education and those sorts of things. We, we know that. We need to work through that and that's okay when those teething issues come up. We, we work out what the solutions are around that and then we move forward and build that stronger and better system for our kids. And Karina quite beautifully painted that picture of 15 years time. How good is this going to look when we're not talking about the introduction of a new mental health and wellbeing package into schools? It is just what we do and these are all the supports that are available to our students at, at any one point in time. And that's up to the experts within the schools then to determine, you know, what this person is presenting with um, these conditions. Who is the best person to help and care for that young person so that they can be at high mental health and well-being, have good attendance, have awesome academic uh, results from the, the great care that they've been able to have from, from the support in the school. Thanks, Matt. Karina, anything you wanted to add? No, um, I just want to say thank you for everyone I've met over the past little while. Everyone's been so welcoming and I'm really excited to work closely. And please always just feel free to give me a call if you have any questions about the program or anything I can help with. Great, thank you. Now, Matt, you've been on the podcast before, so you've done the Fast Five. So are you handballing this to Karina now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking forward to hearing Karina's responses. So, Karina, I'm not sure if you've listened to a podcast episode, but we have the fast five questions that aren't so fast. Yeah, I'm ready. I, I have watched a few of them. It was what I was doing in some of my downtime. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, Karina, the first one, we usually ask when and where was your first teaching appointment, but given you're not a teacher, you're a clinical psychologist, tell us about your first appointment. Ah, there you go. So, are we talking university appointments because we do placements and then we become um, generally registered? No, once you registered. Ah, my first um, job. Okay. I actually used to work for a company that helped job seekers reduce mental health barriers to finding employment. Um, so, I actually worked rural and remote for some of that and just drive in, drive out, as well as throughout South East Queensland, um, providing short term um, intervention to support job seekers. Yeah. And in terms of experience in schools, 
Yeah, so one of my first placements was actually in a Catholic primary school um, on the Sunshine Coast. So I, I actually love this question and when I was going through some of the notes because it really once again points out the school land versus psych land. It's a question that you're right, like I'm lucky enough to have worked in schools before and worked collaboratively in schools in some of my previous roles. But for some of our guys, that might not be a question they'll be able to answer. Karina, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Uh, I think you might have seen it um, during this podcast, but just, you know, the vision of the student wellbeing package in the future and, you know, what that looks like and the overall impact for mental health in all of Queensland. That makes me smile and talk really fast because um, I get so excited about it. What is your best book or film recommendation? So there's two. So the film I would recommend, and you guys probably have all seen it, but it's definitely worth looking at it from a psych perspective. It's Inside Out. It's one of those things where it was groundbreaking and I recall um, sitting and watching it and then calling all my SAC friends and asking us all to watch it because it was the, one of the best ways to explain, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy that I've ever seen. So it was really cool. So that would be one of them. The other one that I would really recommend if you're interested in trauma is um, The Body Keeps Score. That's a really interesting read. It's one of my favourites. And of course, like I always do, they'll be in the show notes. Yep, Awesome. What's your favourite quote? So I thought long and hard because I don't have too many quotes that I focus on for this, but there was a meme that went around when I was in university and it's something I kind of live by and I'm I'm a supervisor as well, so I often actually tell a lot of my provisional psychologists this as well. Um, so embrace the imposter syndrome. Revel in the fact that you fooled everyone. You're a trickster genius. You are the imposter child of deception and a clever ruse. Um, I really like that because it's a change of thinking about imposter syndrome, which we all experience. Yes. Yes, I've had conversations with principals around imposter syndrome. I think we all have it from time to time. Yes. Okay, so Karina, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Um, I think you guys have too. I've really been impressed with all the steaks in Central Queensland. Um, you guys do the best steak ever. But the other thing too is you guys have so many cool dinosaurs. Um, when I first got the job, my husband was really excited. He heard, he's like, oh my goodness. And you guys have some specific dinosaurs to your region, which can't be found in the rest of Australia as well. So cool dinosaurs everywhere up there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fossilized. They're not living, um, but yeah. But our Western colleagues would be going, yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. We've got yep. cool dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, Karina and Matt, thank you. It's been great having this chat with you and um, really, really exciting around the future in terms of our student wellbeing with this package and what it'll mean for our, our young people. So thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Trude. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversation, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, guys.
Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.